to Season 2, Episode 6 of the Nordic Art Agency Podcast, a podcast connecting emerging and established international artists and art influencers from around the globe. I'm your host, Juliet, a British expat, art historian and gallerist based in Sweden. Every fortnight, I'll be sharing a conversation with an artist or art influencer whose artwork or insight inspires me personally. This episode is a little bit special, as rather than an artist or art influencer, we're joining Nikki Brandmark, who is the founder and curator of the award-winning blog, My Scandinavian Home. Nikki is a visual influencer, penning her daily blog, which explores Scandinavian-inspired interior design, breaking down the aesthetic found in the beautiful homes and environments of the Nordics. MyScandinavianHome.com averages over half a million page views per month, with over 360,000 followers on Instagram. Nikki has been featured in Vogue magazine as the top 12 interior Instagram accounts to follow, is cited as a pinfluencer by designer's favourite Pinterest, and was credited as best international design blog by Domino magazine in 2017. She was also invited by the Swedish Design Museum to curate the home viewing exhibition, where she selected and explored several homes from different design periods. In addition to her blog, Nikki is also a best-selling author of three books, The Scandinavian Home, Lagom, The Art of Living a Balanced and Happy Life, and Relaxed Rustic. As well as being an international interior influencer and author, Nikki is also an expat, originally from London. Malmo has been her home for the last 17 years. I can completely relate to experiencing life in Sweden through expat eyes and how understanding the Scandinavian aesthetic has undoubtedly impacted my selection of international artists for the Nordic Art Agency. So I am delighted to welcome you to the podcast and thank you so much for joining me, Nikki Brantmark. Thank you, Juliet. What a lovely introduction. It's such a pleasure to be here. Well, it's fabulous to have you on the podcast, Nikki, and congratulations on the success of the blog, which I believe celebrates its 10th birthday this year. I've always viewed interior design as an extension of art. Painting, sculpture or photography are often catalysts for interior design. For me, the two are parallel elements, which, if the right synergy is found, an artwork and interior creates visual perfection. You're not originally from an interior design background and your initial career was something quite different. What led you to begin the blog and focus on Scandinavian interiors? Um, I've always been interested in your environment. I've been fascinated about how your environment impacts your well-being. Um, and I think it's incredibly tightly connected. Um, and when I moved to Scandinavia back in 2004, I was so amazed by just how incredible people's homes were. I'd go to one apartment and I'd see that and I'd say to my husband, wow, that was a beautiful home they had. And he'd be like, yeah, it was okay. And, you know, this happened time and time and again. I realized actually that, you know, they, Scandinavians have this innate ability to create um, a beautiful home that feels sort of simple and organized and yet also comfortable and warm. And I created a blog in order to sort of document what I was finding because I felt that people all over the world should feel inspired by these interiors I was discovering. In Sweden, we do spend so much more time in our home environments. I feel also that it seems to be so much more important, possibly, as you say, a home environment that's very calming. I definitely sense that when I moved to Sweden. And the Scandinavian aesthetic is, is quite a broad term. 
Scandinavian design is often interpreted as clean, simple lines, minimalistic and functional. It emerged in the 1950s around the same time as a modern uncluttered style took hold in America and Europe. I recently interviewed Bia Ciaris on the podcast, a Spanish painter, and she focuses on painting iconic architecture, and in particular the case study homes by architects such as Charles and Ray Eames and Pierre Koenig. And many of these architectural designs echo the principles found in Swedish architecture, the use of natural material and the importance of light. Swedish architects like Johan Sundberg have created stunning contemporary homes incorporating materials such as plywood and dark natural brickwork. There's also more traditional Swedish wooden houses or torps from the 18th and 19th century with a rustic and slightly shabby vintage feel. What do you, Nikki, think is the quintessential Scandinavian aesthetic? And which of the many homes you've visited over the last decade have really remained with you? Oh my goodness. What a difficult question. I've seen so many incredible homes and not incredible in the sense of being, you know, luxurious. It's actually often more the understatedness of the homes that I love. And for that reason, I'd probably go for um, the traditional red and white Swedish summer cottage. There's something beautiful about the um, relaxed nature of these wooden structures, um, the way that they connect with nature. Um, they're very um, simple and basic in their interior. Um, and they're designed for you to sort of feel instantly relaxed, connect with the world around you and basically unwind over the summer or at weekends. I didn't expect you would say that, actually, because I've, I've looked at the blog and there are so many stunning interiors. We have one of those talks that was left to my husband. And when I was introduced to life in Scandinavia, it was very much we would stay at that cottage um, in the middle of a field. And I was taken in by the simplicity, as you say, and also the idea that when you unwind, you're really experiencing that true Scandinavian living. And often some of them still have those outdoor loos. Do you know what I mean, Nikki? They've got those small cabins outside where they don't actually have plumbing or proper bathrooms. I know, it's quite incredible, full of spiders as well, usually. <laughs> My children are always terrified. But um, yeah, exactly. They're very, very simple. And some of them are so back to base. You're absolutely right. No electricity, no running water, Maya buyers, as they call them, for the outside loo. Um, but I think it's this whole, I think, the reason why I would choose that is because the first time I ever visited Sweden was when I was nine years old. And um, I remember coming over for midsummer and spending my summer at a friend's summer cottage. And I think it's the lifestyle around it. It's this really simple, back to basic lifestyle. There was no tech. We were just sort of running feral through the fields and swimming in lakes and um, you know, eating homemade lingamry jam with waffles. And it was just so incredible. There was no schedule to keep, um, you know, no timetables. We just just slept, ate, drank, swam, repeat. And mm. um, I feel like that's so important now, especially after the year that we've had, that feeling of just staying local and, and just making the most of what's on offer. No, I completely agree. And I think that lifestyle shift we, we were living in the city and we'd go there for weekends. You really felt that true feeling of the sense of being able to relax and the environment and the interior definitely led, lent itself fully to that experience of just downtime, which you're right, we all need, especially right now. And you're currently living in a fantastic location in southern Sweden. 
where the Bo 01 exhibition was held as part of European Housing Exposition in 2001. Now, Bo in Sweden actually is from the verb to dwell. And I was living in Malmö at the time of the exhibition, and it was fascinating to see the diverse styles of homes being built. It was a collection of different international architects creating homes with a holistic approach, incorporating sustainable design into high-quality living. These initial homes served as a prototype, which went on to become Vesterhamen, a coastal location close to the city of Malmö, but with a very unique design aesthetic. And many of these buildings incorporated much of the contemporary and functional approach to Scandinavian homes. So what drew you to this location and what's it like to live in such a design-rich environment? How has this informed your approach to design and Scandinavian interiors? We moved to this area in, I think it was 2006. Um, and um, I'd, I'd certainly heard about the area when I first moved here because of Turning Torso, the great, you know, the great tower in this area that's, that's become the symbol of Malmo. And we used to come down and swim here in the evenings in summer. Um, and, you know, I, I've always loved the sea. My husband and I both sail. We have our boat here as well. And so living by the sea was always a bit of a dream of mine. Um, and then we, uh, when we found our house here, we were so thrilled. You know, this was sort of looking back 13 years ago. And to be honest, it had an awful feel in it. It had been in the exhibition, um, which is really wonderful part of the house's history but the colors were completely crazy and um, it'd been living in by a, a bachelor who sort of didn't really have an eye for design <laughs> so no one else wanted the house and then we moved in we thought oh well, we'll just start by painting the whole thing white and then we you know layered it from there but anyway the bottom line is is that we absolutely love living in this area and i think the most important thing about it one of the huge successes of the area is that when they planned it they everything is centered around a series of very small squares so each house and apartments are around a square and the squares are open to the public. So they're small enough to be intimate for the locals to want to hang out and be together in, but they're big enough for outsiders to still feel they can come in without feeling like they're intruding. And for that reason, it's become a really, really big community. And my children are running inside and outside each other's homes. Uh, we socialize with all of our neighbors. And um, so I think it's been a really sort of big social success. And from an aesthetic perspective, do you, do you feel inspired just walking from house to house? And also you've got those lovely channels of water that run throughout the sort of mini city. From an inspirational perspective, do you feel that you see sort of small design elements? I mean, it's incredible because every single apartment and house is completely different from each other. And the architects have sort of gone all out, you know, and done sort of weird and wonderful creations. So when you walk around, it's sort of little but little tiny lanes and passageways and you enter a square and there's always something to look at, both in the daytime, but also at night, Swedish people don't seem to have, they do have curtains and blinds sometimes, but they don't always close them. So for that reason, everything's quite open and you can see people going about their daily business, maybe cooking supper, maybe watching TV with their family and you sort of get a little bit of a glimpse of the design in their homes as well. So there's always something to look at and it's really inspiring to walk around. I find that quite unique as well. Where I live, you're not actually allowed to build fences. The houses are incredibly open with no borderline, if you like. And as you say, big, beautiful windows where you can virtually see inside the entire home at all times. 
And I think possibly that is something because of the lack of light that the Scandinavians feel that they need to have all of this wonderful kind of light, natural light source coming through. But I think also what you've shared about the idea that the communities around the squares, I love that idea because obviously the home is, is very important to Swedish people. Do you touch upon on that in one of your best-selling books, Lagom, which you published in 2017? And that very much focused on the art of living and balance and how to create that happy life, which I think in Scandinavia they're quite famous for. And this is one of the aspects of living in Sweden, which I have thoroughly embraced, not always successfully, but I'm completely on board with the concept of trying to find balance in life. There's no direct translation for Lagom in the English language, but as your book explains, it refers to not too little, not too much, just the right amount. Lagom often presents itself within the compositions of contemporary artworks, which resonate with my Scandinavian clients. So that's unfinished edges of canvas or mixed media works with distortion, visible brush strokes, imperfections or empty spaces. They're all artistic elements which are very appreciated. Do you see Lagom as a lifestyle principle resonating in the interior styles of the Scandinavian homes that you explore? I feel that Lagom is really reflected in the home. You know, it's all about balance. Um, Scandinavian homes are known for being clean, minimalist, um, very practical spaces, often characterized by clean lines, um, a soft, muted palette, often a lot of whites and other earthy shades. Um, and such a palette and such minimalism can sometimes come across as quite cold. But that's where nature comes in. And Scandinavians tend to draw in natural materials from outside, such as wood and stone and wool. And, and with that comes a lot of warmth, you know, warmth from the tables, warmth from the cushions, the curtains. It's layered with these rich textures, um, which balance out the mi minimalist feel and give it a more warm and inviting and very comfortable feel. The coldness of Scandinavian interiors is the perception by many people. I agree with you that that is neutralised somehow by that addition of, of textures and definitely those natural materials and also colour because even if it's a minimal basis of an interior, they do actually use subtle colours as well within their environments. Absolutely. I mean, they use, there is a lot of white, but there are also these very, very soft, earthy, muted tones, often with a warm touch to them as well. And then when the natural light, which pours in through their very big windows, as you mentioned earlier, you know, it's a real <clears throat> hallmark of Scandinavian design. You know, in Spain and hot Mediterranean countries, they tend to have much smaller windows. But these large gaping windows also help to draw nature indoors. And also the light moving around the room also helps to bring the whole look alike the subtle colors pop out and due to those harsh winters and endless days of limited light in the nordics obviously the light is even more important in scandinavia i never really understood this until i moved to stockholm actually in october one year and i was only 22 and i don't think i really anticipated how dark it was going to be and by february i was you know, quite seriously depressed and questioning whether or not I could remain in Sweden and continue on this adventure. And I also didn't understand the obsession with candles in the windows at wintertime and lighting candles. My family are from South Africa. So candles weren't really something that we had a lot in the home when I was growing up. And now, I mean, the first thing I do when I walk into my home or set a dinner table, even if it's sort of, you know, springtime, is light candles so those natural light sources within an interior, so candlelight or 
filling the darkness with a log fire. They're all aspects of life, which I've certainly learned to embrace. And equally, placing art in Scandinavian interiors, which is uplifting and responds to the changing light, which you mentioned. It's also so important as it's a very effective way to bring light to a dull day. This is very much the modus of your book, The Scandinavian Home, which is interiors inspired by light. And I love this book and those principles which flow through the importance of light. So what are your key concepts when it comes to the use of light in an interior? Thank you for being so kind about my book. Um, yes, I mean, obviously there's the windows which we've discussed, and but it also it's about the flow of light within a house as well or a home. So you'll often find in a country where you're very, very deprived of natural light in the winter, um, you need to ensure that whatever you do get reaches the darkest corner of your home. And therefore, you tend to find much more open plan spaces. That's why you often find a lot of white. You might find strategically placed mirrors um, and also sheer curtains rather than thick layered curtains. Homes are very well insulated anyway, so they don't need to have these really heavy lined curtains. But also in the evenings as well, you know, we've touched on the candles. I love that they're called Levander use, which means living light. Um, and that's so important because when you have a candle glowing in your house, it reflects that wonderful hour just after sunset and the hour just before sunrise, that real golden, warm, flattering light that makes you feel really good and makes everyone look good. It just really creates a sense of well-being. And they will light candles everywhere. You know, have you you've noticed you've I'm sure you've noticed Juliet as well. If you go to someone's house, there'll be a candle in the guest bathroom, there'll be a candle on every surface. I mean, this is complemented also by um, really clever use of lighting after dark. Um, so instead of having these really powerful overhead lights that sort of show up everything and, you know, um, blind you as you walk into the room, they'll have much sus- more subtle lighting. They'll have lower level lighting at different levels. There might be something on the floor. There might be something hung over a picture. And there'll be definitely wall lighting. And it's all dimmable. So they'll, they're experts at creating this womb-like feel with lighting that really shows up the things in the house they want to emphasize and then leaves other things, maybe colder corners or the laundry in the corner in the darkness. So it's, it's, a very, it's a very, very clever technique and a good way to make your home feel even better. I also agree with you about the, the loo candle. That was something which struck <laughs> me. And also the candle outside, which I love. Often early evening, if you're going to you know somebody's house for supper, they will place a candle outside. So when you arrive at the door, you know, obviously it guides you to the door, but also it's just that welcoming as though we're here, we're ready, it's warm and cozy, come inside. It's that kind of vibe, which I loved, which isn't English at all in any way. And that's true, actually. I didn't think about that in the same way, Nikki, that because it, the houses are so well insulated, unlike uh, houses in London or where I, I was in, you were actually in Edinburgh University as well, I think. In Edinburgh, the houses weren't very well insulated or the apartments at all. So we had these thick, heavy velvet curtains, which kind of, you didn't really interact with the sun going down as much or it wasn't the same experience. So with those open windows and good insulation, you can then afford to have a minimal window dressing, which totally changes the role of the window in the home entirely. They've been able to embrace the winter through the interiors in such a wonderful, welcoming way. And I I love that. 
Exactly. I mean, these sheer curtains, or I have sort of very simple, quite thin linen curtains, they, they let in light, but it's this wonderful, soft, diffused light. So in the summer as well, they'll keep your home cool while still allowing the sort of aura to shine through. Sourcing all of these interiors in the Nordics that you feature in the blog, and sometimes they're further afield, in fact, than just Scandinavia, it must be a, a daily ritual for you. And I imagine that you travelled a great deal before the pandemic, visiting various locations, meeting designers, photographing and documenting. I know when I initially see an artwork online or I begin a dialogue with an artist, I connect to some aspects of their work, be it composition or colour or subject matter. It's an instinctive reaction and one which I have, well, it's been tested during the pandemic as I can't visit the actual artist studios right now. It's sadly out of the question. And I imagine you're really looking forward to getting back into people's homes and having a good a good look around. So what initially draws you to a home or interior that possibly you just see on, on an image and what inspires you to begin writing? And how has the blog changed during the past 18 months when you haven't been able to get out there and actually visit the homes yourself? Yeah, it's interesting, actually, because I've always been a really nosy person. <laughs> Ever since I was little, I'd go to someone's house with my, mo- my mother and um, I'd always pretend to need the upstairs loo so that I could have a look around. It's terrible. It's so naughty. But I just have always been fascinated by people's homes. And so I really, really do miss going inside the home physically. It's just, you know, getting the sense of the person when you walk in, the smells, the sound. You know, you do miss them on the page. You miss the music they might play, the smell of their cooking, um, the, the squeak of the floors as you walk across them. There's just something else about walking into someone's house. Um, and it's a real privilege to be invited into someone's home as well for that reason. You're really sort of opening yourself up and, you know, inviting someone into your world. Um, but on my blog, I feel that, um, especially this year, I've surprisingly had a, a lot of uh, messages from Scandinavians abroad, Swedes in places like Brazil and America, who've written to me saying, thank you so much. You've given me a little bit of slice of home every single day and inspired me. So it's meant a lot to get those messages. And I know that it's nice to hear that my blog is making a difference to people, especially in the last year and a half. Um, so when I'm when I'm looking for homes, it might be a renovation. I'll show before and after pictures. It might be a tiny apartment in Stockholm for people that are looking to decorate their very small student room or like a one one room bed sit somewhere and struggling to make it practical yet comfortable. I really like to keep it really real. I like everyone to be able to get inspiration from what I share. So I always try to think, what can people get out of this inspirational space? What could they maybe implement in their own homes? What ideas can people get from this? Um, And I feel that maybe that's part of why my readers come back and I have a really good sort of built up a great community. It definitely feels as though a lot of what you you do touch on in the blog is possible to recreate without spending a huge amount of money as well. It feels as though it's very affordable. Some of the ideas are very simplistic and it's not sort of a case of buying a certain thing. It's a case of creating a certain moment in a room and I I love that idea it becomes very accessible so Nikki if you had to ultimately design your own home in Scandinavia say you had a plot of land and you could build your own home or, or choose something to renovate what style direction would you move in do you have like a dream idea after having accumulated all of this you know Scandinavian aesthetic knowledge what would be your go-to if you could 
It's funny that you should ask that, actually, because we are building a little home. We are building what's called an Atafal's Hoose, which you would know, Juliet, but just for anyone who's listening, it's a, a very small, this one's 30 meters square house, and um, it will be in the grounds of Pear's family, my husband's family's summer cottage. Um, and um, so I think in answer to your question, we've chosen a style which is kind of like a little cabin with white wood panelled walls, but that's purely because of the location. It's coastal. And I'm really a big, big on reflecting the surrounding environment and trying to ensure that the place that you live in does fit in with the environment. And likewise, in the town, I kind of quite like this modern contemporary vibe. So because this is coastal, I've gone for a really sort of, not traditional, but I love a mix of old and new just to keep it relaxed. It's a very sort of, I'd call it Scandinavian, perhaps modern rustic. How exciting. That must be wonderful to be able to put your touch into something like that. And also the scale is not so large, so it's not as though you've got so much space to play with. You can just create one perfect room I imagine well you know I'm so overexcited that I'm going way overboard and they'll probably get inside and realize just how tiny it is all my grand plans will have to be thrown out of the window but uh no I am it's such a brilliant opportunity and it's so exciting and actually the how the cabin itself is 30 meters square but outside of the cabin I'm also really keen to sort of have an outdoor shower and some nice decking and the outdoor space feels as important as the indoor space especially because we're going to be using it in the summer and I have to just add on that I feel it's so important to think about your garden your outdoor space and Scandinavians again are really clever at you probably noticed this too Juliet you know turning their outdoor spaces into basically like indoor room indoor spaces creating different zones and rooms within them so they have a little sofa area a little dining area an outdoor shower maybe Um, And I think it's fascinating. I mean, I guess when the good weather comes, we need to make the most of it, don't we? Exactly. It's optimizing that five months of a year when you can be outside and really enjoy the weather. And you're absolutely right. They almost create a home outside of the home and eating outside, sitting outside and reading outside. And I think the shower is something I long to have as well. I think that's, that's such a cool element. And you don't need to have a big space to have one of those little stand up outdoor showers. So it sounds... It sounds heavenly and I I hope to come and see it one day, Nikki. And thank you for joining me on the podcast, Nikki. Your blog is always beautifully curated and insightful. It's wonderful to watch your international success in all your various adventures. Thank you so much for inviting me, Juliet. It's been a real pleasure. I can't wait to fill my home with art from your agency. I've got my eye on a few pieces, actually, so um, I'll have to pop by soon. But thank you for having me. In the show notes, I should be including links to the My Scandinavian Home Instagram and, of course, the blog. And I shall also be including a selection of images from Nikki's blog on the Nordic Arts Agency podcast Instagram so you can view some of the inspiring interiors and elements of the Scandinavian aesthetic we have discussed on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Until next time. (laughs) 